Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. There's no other end. But they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. With Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Final Payment. I'm Philip Marlowe. Warden Riker said he'd see me at noon. Oh, yes, Mr. Marlowe. The warden will be with you in just a minute. Excuse me, please. Sure. Warden's office, Sergeant Kennedy speaking. Who? Oh, the L.A. Tribune. Yeah, yeah. Scenario's execution? Okay, hold on. I got the dope here on my desk someplace. Excuse me, Mr. Marlowe. It'll be just a minute. It's all right. Press get hungry for the gory details about now. This is the third call this morning. Mm -hmm. Have a seat there. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Office of the Warden State Penitentiary, 10 a.m., September 8, 1950. Subject, press release, paragraph one. William Arthur Sanero, 24, tried and convicted of the robbery murder of Emil Negrotto, Bakers Beach, California, last August 5, is scheduled to be executed in a manner prescribed by law at 11 o'clock post-meridian this state. At this time, no stay of execution is anticipated. Signed, Stanley M. Riker, Warden. That's it. Huh? No, you can't talk to the Warden. That's why we go through all this press release junk. Yeah, well, we got our problems, too, you know. Goodbye. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Marlow. <clears throat> now, uh, your appointment with the Warden. Uh, what was it about again? William Arthur Sanero, 24. I'm a friend of his. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> I forgot, sir. Uh, well, I hope I haven't offended Mr. Marlowe. That is, uh, <coughs> I'll tell the warden you're here, sir. I knew I didn't have too much right to be mad at one Sergeant Kennedy. But today it didn't matter. Because I was mad at the whole world, and in particular what it had done to a used-to-be-nice kid named Billy Sanero. And when I stood in Warden Riker's far-from-drab prison office and waited while a dapper man in gleaming hickok cufflinks and soft gray gabardine got through talking to his wife in syrup-sticky tones, I began to get mad at him, too. But that drained out of me fast because when he hung up, he scraped the goo off his voice quickly, shook hands like he meant it, and told Kennedy we weren't to be disturbed. When he spoke of Sanero, a lot of sympathy crawled in between the words, even when he came to the point. It's a breach of regulations for a condemned man to have any visitor other than the prison chaplain on the day of his execution, Mr. Marlowe. So first of all, just how well do you know Sanero? Well, he sold papers on the corner near my office as a kid. We swapped gags twice a day. And when his father died and he quit selling papers? I never saw him again until a year ago when he got over-involved with some tin-horned gamblers. I managed to set him free. As a private detective? As a big brother. Went to work in a San Pedro boatyard after that. I haven't seen him since. And then you have no idea why he's asked to talk to you today. No, I don't. Do you, Warden? Mr. Marlowe, do you recall the details in this case? 
Well, yeah, more or less. Let's see, an old man named Emil Negrado and his wife were robbed of 100,000 bucks worth of uninsured jewels at their summer place at... Um... Baker's Beach. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And uh, Emil Negrado was killed when he tried to interfere. Sonero was tied back to it by a single fingerprint and later identified by Mrs. Negrado. I, I believe she thought there were two more, huh? Yes, but Sonero denied this. Uh-huh. Also, Mr. Marlowe, you may recall that the jewels were never recovered. Mm-hmm. Sonero said they were lost at sea when the boat he fled in hit rough water on the way back to San Pedro. Now, Mr. Marlowe, do I begin to answer the question I just ignored? The jewels, I mean? Sonero may want to tell you that they weren't lost after all. He may want to tell you where they are. He may want you to do something about them. So the last will and testament, is that it? From his point of view, yes. And from mine? A very lucrative offer. Perhaps 50%, Mr. Marlowe. Why not 100%, Mr. Warden? Don't be a piker. I could always cross him up, you know. Anything else? Or were you just letting me know why the state is allowing this visit? I was just letting you know what the state knows, Mr. Marlowe. Uh-huh. I know a little more. I know that Billy Sonero is through as a criminal. In his heart, not just because he's behind bars with worse to come. He's ready to die, Mr. Marlowe. Almost anxious. Well, then why the session? Why all the statistics? Why the invitation for me to play informer? For two reasons. First, I may be wrong about the boy completely. Thus, his repentance is a fake. Which you don't believe. No. What's the other reason? Look, Marlowe, if anything goes wrong... You came in here as an informer. That's official. And unofficially? I want to give the boy a break. Sonero asked to get you because he wanted to talk to the only person in the world he thought he could trust. And right now, I think he has every right to just such a talk, whatever it's about. I only wanted to be sure he talked to the correct party, that's all. Sergeant Kennedy to show you the way, Mr. Marlowe, to Sonero's cell. I was a bit confused. Riker seemed anxious to help Sonero over some rough hours, and yet at the same time, he was shrewd. In no time, he'd work me around to where I'd be the fastest, most courteous informer on record if Sonero was a fake. I thought. But I thought otherwise when I was alone with Sonero. I knew that the Negrotto jewels did still exist. Mr. Marlowe, why are you looking at me that way? Don't you understand what I'm asking, don't you see? Now, wait a minute. Take it easy, Billy. Step at a time. Now, you say that the jewels never went overboard. No, I never even saw them. That was a cock and bull story. Uh And yet you want me to get them to get the jewels and return them to Mrs. Emil Negrotto, is that right? Right. To Mrs. Negrotto, the woman who identified me. The widow of the man I killed. Look, Mr. Marlowe, sit down here on the cot and listen. Okay. Now, where's the beginning, Billy? Last August 5th. There was me and the other two, a big red-headed louse named Jesse Tapp and a girl named Gloria, Gloria Konkowski, a blonde with a little scar on the bridge of her nose. Mm-hmm. Jesse's girl, strictly flashy. We took my boat. It's a fishing smack, the love lady. We, we sailed from San Pedro over to Baker's Beach. I was the one who shot him, Mr. Mono. And the jewels? They were in a leather bag. Jesse had them. But after the shot, we split up fast and ran. I hid until the next morning, then shoved off in the love lady... I don't know about the others. I was picked up that afternoon. The rest you know. I'm not so sure. At your trial, you swore that... That I was alone and the jewels went overboard. Well, at first I thought that I might get off, so I had to clam up, but then I... Then everything changed. The verdict, huh? No. An old woman whose husband I'd killed. Mm. See what you mean. But you still didn't tell the authorities who the others were. No, and I won't today. 
Both Jesse Tapp and that blonde can smell a cop a mile away. They'd only run and take the jewels with them. The law would louse it up. I want the jewels back to the little old lady. Hmm. I always liked you, Billy. I know how you work, Mr. Marlowe. I've got enough for you to start on. It only came yesterday. That's why this, uh, this last-minute rush, you might say. Mr. Marlowe, I know where Jesse Tapp is. That also means glory isn't far away. From where? San Pedro, down near the docks. Now, look. There's a tough old guy who runs a dry dock and repair lash up for small boats. Name of Jomo. I worked for him a year ago. I also left him the love lady. He spotted Tap. Had his eyes open for months for me. No questions asked. He was here to see me yesterday. He's out to find where Tap hangs out now. He's the one you see. Yeah, but wait a minute. What makes you think Jesse Tap still has the jewel? Because I saw him take him and run, and he's still hanging around San Pedro. Maybe he hit him where he can't get to him. Maybe he doesn't want to get to him until he's contacted the right fence. Anyway, Mr. Malo, it's a chance I'd like you to take for me. Of course, I... I can't talk about your fee. Look, kid, don't you think we ought to talk to the warden? Mr. Marlowe, I've done nothing but think. This is the only way it can possibly work. The only way it can help me and Mrs. Negrato both. Well, will you try it? Yeah. I guess so, Billy. One last thing, Mr. Marlowe. If you make it by... before 11 tonight... Get the word to me, will you? And if you don't make it, or it looks like you're not going to, don't lie. Okay? Okay. Time's up, Mr. Marlowe. Sorry, Snarrow. It's all right, Kennedy. Don't mention it. So long, Mr. Marlowe. Goodbye, Billy. It took five minutes for me to walk back to the warden's office and five more to lie to him about what Scenario had wanted of me. And another ten to get outside and head toward my parked car. I was thinking about what the condemned man had told me when I suddenly realized I was in the middle of a busy street and right smack in the path of a speeding car. Hey, what's the matter with you? What is that? Mister, mister, you all right? Holy you okay, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. Much obliged. I'll try to remember to look where I'm going next time. Yeah, these jerks figure every street's in Indianapolis Speedway. Yeah. And another thing, that geezer didn't stop either. I know. But if you're interested, I, I got a squint at him before. I was in that corner drugstore after a coke, and while I was waiting, I happened to see this guy stand outside his car, and all of a sudden he got wait in a minute, it and took off. You mean he got all that speed up just from the end of the street? Tell me, friend, what'd he look like? He's uh, tiny. <laughs> tiny like your pinky finger. Uh-huh. And elevating shoes on. Plus the fact he needed a shave. Say, you don't think it was purposeful, do you? Uh, n- not an accident, I mean. I don't know. But either way, I'm much obliged to you, friend. Bye-bye. I made a mental note about the small man with big heels and a beard and let it go at that. And I took one last look at the prison. Made me want to drive the 300 miles to San Pedro fast. It was some hazy place between late twilight and early evening fog when I located Jomo in his Water's Edge dry dock and repair shop and told him who I was. I was fond of that scenario, lad, Marlai. I'm glad I can help him some way. That boat here was his, you know, the love lady. Mm-hmm. Putting her back in the water tonight. Ah, love lady. 
That might be what he needed to keep him out of trouble at that. It's hard to say, Jomo. Mm. But look, I don't have much time. Do you know where I can get next to this uh, Jesse Tap? I, I followed him just this morning from a bar on 3rd Street. He's uh-huh. hiding out in a warehouse on Lookout Hill Road. It's shut down now. It won't open up again until... Hold it, Jomo. That noise, that came from out here. There's someone there, Mr. Marlowe? No. No, not anymore, there isn't. Uh, and there probably wasn't. I got me a clumsy little cat, Marlowe, always falling over. Jomo, you said Lookout Hill Road, right? Aye. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's only a block long, the highest point in town. Mm. You just head straight up King Street to the top. You can't miss the warehouse. Thanks. Uh, Jomo. Uh? You have no idea what this is all about, huh? Well, I wouldn't say that, Marlowe. But you see, I don't let myself think of some things too much. I keep my mind on boats more than people. Easier to understand. <laughs> Easier to repair, too. Good luck, Marlo. I was less than ten minutes finding the deserted warehouse which ran true to form. Rust and every other window broken. But when I was out of my car and moving around toward a side entrance, I saw something else. It was a girl, tall and blonde, standing in the deep shadow of a fit shampoo billboard. When I started for her, she threw one scared look my way, then scrambled into her pocket for a key. I made it just as she got it out and into the door lock. Let's not be hasty, honey. Get your dirty mitts off. When you stop kicking, I will. Not before, sweetheart. Not, uh, not before, Gloria. How do you know the name, Bright Eyes? Oh, that cute little scar on the bridge of your nose. You should have ducked, kid. Not that it doesn't add character. Ah, go soak your head. I don't know you. You should. Jesse does. Jesse? Why, anyway? Name's Marlowe. Here to see your boyfriend tap per schedule. It's a business appointment, Gloria. Business? Oh, oh yeah, sure. Fence, huh? Yeah, fence, huh? Now do we go up or throw pebbles at the windows until Jesse comes out, which? We go up, now that I know who you are. You know, Jesse didn't mention you're coming. That's what I like about working with Jesse. Uh... Which way? Up these stairs. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice setup we got here, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sweet of the owners to let you have a key. Well, it wasn't exactly that way. Jesse had Changed to... the lock, yeah, I know. Uh, is that the door? One mark, President? Uh-huh. Mr. Tapp's very own. <laughs> Imagine Jesse as an executive. Funny, huh? Hey, Mr. Head of the firm, you got callers. Jesse! Ah, that jerk's probably asleep. That's <laughs> the way I figured, asleep in a swivel chair. Hey, Mr. President, you got company. Hey, Jesse, come on, wake up. The guy here who wants... Jesse. What is it, Mona? What's wrong with him? Too much to fix, honey. Head of the firm, Jesse's been shot to death. No business as usual today. Dead. How do you like that? Not much. Now, maybe it's you I do business with, huh? What are you talking about? Now, look, I never like to get into money matters with dames, but now I'm stuck. So let's get to work, you and me. Where are they, Gloria? Where are what? Come on, you coy oh. little jerk. The stones and the grotto stones. I want to see them. I don't know where they are. He wouldn't ever tell me. Ah, don't lie. You were his girl. Well, listen, mister. Ever since I met that guy, I've been living on double talk and slaps in the mouth. I spent my nights dodging my own shadow. I'm glad it's over. Why'd you stick? Because of them stones. I knew I had him hid someplace. Figured maybe they'd get us away from here after all. He kept saying he had to wait till the time was right. That's all he'd ever say. Even to me, his girl. You know, with that talent, you ought to be in pictures, kid. Yeah. 
Believe me, mister, I learned the hard way not to try to pin Jesse Tapp down. You do whatever you want, I'm getting out of here. Before the act. Just a minute. What? Somebody did this, baby. I can name 20 who'd been tickled pink. Yeah, but I took a lot of chances setting up this deal to move those Negrotto jewels. I wouldn't want to be edged out now by cheap competition like a squirt and build up heels. What's that? Nothing, a swing in the dark. Excuse me. Sure. Now you excuse me. It's strictly your problem, sucker. I stood and watched her as she walked away. I didn't know just what my next move should be, but then it hit me. Whoever had killed Jesse Tapp would go for her next. So when she hailed a cab at the foot of the hill, I ran to my car and I started after her. But by the time I got turned around, a switch engine playing shuffleboard with a string of boxcars cut in between us. When that was over, Gloria was gone. I spent the next hour and a half raking the neon-lighted muck along the docks looking for her with no success. Until finally in a rancid backwash called the reef, I got a break, but from another direction. The same unshaven little man with high heels who tried earlier to run me down was at the bar, blinking back the sting of a straight shot. I watched while he picked up a handful of small change from the bartender, and when he pranced toward a phone in the hallway at the rear, I followed him. It was too good to be a coincidence. Yeah, he had that's to tie right, in. San Diego. Yeah, Christine Fuller, right. How much? Okay. Hello? Hello, Christine? Hiya, baby. This is Fritz. Hey, listen, honey, I got it all set up. Yeah, I'm going right now, right away, yeah. It's dark now and everything's ready. I said everything, didn't I? I'll have them in an hour and be out of here. Hmm? Well, just be a good girl till I get there, understand? Yeah, I'll see you before morning. Oh, your little Fritz wouldn't let you down, you know that. Goodbye, baby. Hello, little Fritz. Hey, who are you come back here! Hey, 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 what is this? Who are you? Guy you tried to run over this afternoon? Hey, now listen, Slim, there must be some mistake there here. There isn't, you just made it when you knocked off Jesse Tapp. Now that I got you, little Fritz, I'm going to shake you up and down until a lot of answers or a lot of teeth start dropping out of you. No, no. Make up your mind. What's it going to be? Come on. No, uh, no, leave me alone. Stop. Hey, what's going on here? Run along, Buster. It's private. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If right, big luck like you picking on a little guy like him, you'll be ashamed. Hey, don't you believe in the brotherhood of man? Yeah, but this weasel don't qualify. He jumped me, fellas. He was going to rob me. Oh, he was, was he? Put him down hey, here. Come on, yeah. come on. Turn loose of him, big bully. Okay. Why don't you know you're jerk. Oh, you're jerk. Come on, get up. Get him, Joe. Come on, Joe. Hit him over the head. Ah, yeah. Beat him up, yeah. fight. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Him again, Joe. Yeah. Come on, get up. Oh, nuts. He's all cold. Let's throw him out in the alley. Come on. Good idea. Hey, where'd the little guy go? Hey, he bait it. Oh, you'd think he'd stick around long enough to buy us a drink, wouldn't you? Judging from the way my face felt, the two long showmen must have... Oh, had barnacles on their fists. In the five minutes it took me to climb back on my feet. I thought some very unpleasant things about the brotherhood of man, both fore and aft. But I dropped them when I re remembered the time was running out fast for my client. 
But I still hadn't got beyond the loose ends I'd started with. Tap's girlfriend, Gloria, and little Fritz. It was a hunch that took me up the hill of the old retired warehouse again. I parked a block away and started toward it on foot when the glow from a lonely cigarette said that it wasn't quite as deserted as it should have been. The cigarette belonged to a woman who was someplace under a lot of makeup. Oh. Interesting evening. You're asking me or telling me? Well, either it is, it has been, or it could be. Take your pick. You look like a bright boy. Hey. Hey, you look like you fell into a meat grinder. No, no, just a philosophical discussion. Oh? Nice view from here. Not too bad. girl like me needs a view once in a while. Keeps the past from crowding the future. Can see the whole waterfront from here without smelling it. Yeah, yeah. That's great, huh? Now, look, you haven't seen anybody hanging around here in the last few minutes, have you? You kidding? Nobody hangs around this old dump. First time I've been up here in a month. Nobody's hung around here since... since old Tom died. Used to be the night watchman. And there was a lot of laughs for you, old Tom. He had that upstairs room, that one, that one up there. Mm-hmm. And he's the time I've been... Hey. Hey, that's queer. That's real queer. Look. What? Hey. Oh, a telescope. Not it on the windowsill. Yeah, old Tom never had a thing like that up there. Who do you suppose put it there? I know who, honey. My question is why? telescope. Well, it seems to be pointed down there toward the small boat anchorage. Yeah. Where a certain boat was in for paint and repairs. Tap could watch every step from here when the job was done. Holy smoke, it could be. Thanks, baby. You've been a big help. Sure. All things to all men. Have fun, Sonny. My client's boat was a long shot, but it was the only bet I had. And it stayed a long shot all the way down to Jomo's dock. There the odds began to drop fast to even money when I heard the motor running and found the door to Jomo's boathouse half open. It became odds on when I eased inside and stumbled over Jomo himself, stretched out unconscious on greasy planks like a beached bull whale. I stepped over him, got my thirty-eight in hand, and edged out along the catwalk to the open dock where the boat scraped restlessly against the fenders. There were no lights except for a tiny spot no bigger than the hole in the candy lifesaver that probed frantically along the seams inside the cabin. It was little Fritz with a shielded flashlight intent on finding something fast. I stepped into the boat, deliberately kicked over an oil can and crouched. The light went out. Who? Who's there? Somebody out there? Well, speak up. Throw your gun over the side and stand real still. Do it now, little man, or I'll blow you in two. Oh, no, wait. Yeah. Uh, who, who are you? It's me, Fritzy Marlowe. So Tap hid the stones right here on Bill Sonero's boat, huh? Yeah, 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 that's right. They're still here. Fortune. Hey, look, look we played smart this Shut time up. for both. I want a few things straight first. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tap hid the jewels aboard here after the robbery without Sonero's knowledge. But after Sonero was caught, he gave the boat to Jomo, who kept it locked up inside there. Which meant that Tap had to wait until Jomo had finished his repairs before he could get back the stones again, huh? Yeah, that's right. They were too hot to handle anyway. They had to be hid someplace. They were safe here, so why stir up another fuss? Uh, what else you want to know? Are you going to explain to your little sugar in San Diego that Christine fully accoudes who tonight when you don't show up for a few years? Marla, we can do business. And another thing. 
How'd you get into this act in the first place? I got ways, like a couple of friends on the inside. Ah, that figures. One of them must be on the inside of the state pen. That's how come you hooked onto me so fast with that car. Who is it? A guard named Kennedy. He's a pig, a cut-rate chill. The other friend? He's behind you with a gun. Oh, fine. Oh, that's my baby. I'll take your gun now, Mr. Marlowe. Stop it. Put it away, Fritz. Find the stones? Uh, not yet, but it won't be long now, sugar. Marlowe, get in that cabin and run this boat. We're going out. Go on, move. Oh, no, wait a minute, baby. We don't know anything about boats. We're not taking any more chances here. Untie that rope at the back, Fritz. That's called cast off the stern line. Shut up! Mm. Get inside, Marlowe. Go on. Sure, sure. Well, Skipper, where to? Just head for that open part out there. Hey, it's going to be rough. Oh, that won't matter to us, baby. We've been through plenty together, huh? Yeah, like putting Jesse Tapp out of the way for a starter. Uh, sure, well, he asked for it. He was a pushover for Gloria here. Why, you... So it was little Gloria who killed him, eh? All right, so it was me. Fritz called me up and warned me you were coming here to Pedro, and I overheard you when you talked to Jomo. I knew you'd get to Jesse and make him spill, so I killed him. It's gonna have to be done sooner or later anyway. The old double cross. Yeah, the old double cross. So what? Uh, that's a game the smart ones always play with the suckers. Always win. Not always, Fritz. Oh, often enough to make a... What? Hey, 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 Gloria. Gloria, what? Oh, no, 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 don't. Gloria, no, no. Keep your hands on that wheel, Marlo. I heard Marlo's crack about that Christine Fuller, Fritz. You louse. Straight ahead, Marlo. Now what, baby? You still got me to worry about. That's too bad. You're a nice guy. Where are we? Well, the channel's way over there, where that buoy is. And that means that a big rock pile called the Breakwater is right off our starboard bow. If I don't turn, we'll hit it, and I'm not Those turning. Those rocks, Marlow! Feeling better now, Mr. Marlow? Yeah, thanks, Lieutenant. Water was awful cold. You said it. Have another cup of Coast Guard mud. Do you good. Oh, thanks. Look, I was wondering if... If we located the girl you told us about? Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't as lucky as you were. However, your boat hung up on the rocks. The boys found all that jewelry in the cabin. In this leather baggie. Well, we'll be in in a couple of minutes. Good. I'll just have time to call a young guy and tell him he can close out his books. They balance now. He's... Paid up in full. When I got through to Warden Riker, told him all that had happened, and gave him the message for Billy Sonero, he thanked me and said, the kid was facing 11 o'clock like someone who, who had the weight of the world lifted off his back. A back that should have been part of a football team. A back that should be tanned from the sun at the beach. A back whose arms should be around a lovely girl. A back knelt in prayer for a better world. A back... Strapped to the electric chair.
The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Wally Mayer, Bill Johnstone, David Ellis, Tom Holland, Larry Dobkin, Doris Singleton, Lou Krugman, and Michael Ann Barrett. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Be sure and be with us again next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time I found a corpse in a flower shop. A gypsy who read her own fortune in dollar signs in a death struggle 20 feet from a crowded merry-go-round. All because a man forgot one white carnation. Grand Central Station, the very name itself creates a tingle of excitement. Grand Central Station, that busy, gigantic railroad terminal where every day hundreds of vital human dramas occur. It is these human dramas you hear every Saturday over most of these same CBS stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And this is CBS where you also enjoy Junior Miss every Saturday in the daytime on the Columbia Broadcasting System. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road. And those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison of the grave. There's no other end. But they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The White Carnation. (laughs) 
understand it. Ben Reynolds is a wonderful guy with a really great future, intelligent, handsome. Well, well, you've seen his picture. Yeah, yeah. You said he's a doctor, didn't you, Casey, an MD? That's right. He's already known as one of the best young medical men in town. Uh, uh, turn left at the next corner, Marlowe. Okay. You also said he's to be married soon. Soon. Tomorrow. Oh. And to the swellest girl in the world, Margaret Vanderveer. Vanderveer. As in Beverly Hills, huh? Yes, you know them? Oh, just a name. Marlowe, we've got to locate Ben Reynolds fast and find out what's wrong. Are you sure it's not just a last-minute case of cold feet? Cold feet? Yeah. Oh, Marlowe, he's in love with the girl. I'm his best man, I know. Besides, uh, this marriage means a lot to the guy's career. He wouldn't run out. It happens, Casey. Oh, not to Ben. Why, he was fine, happy, full of laughs, right up to the minute we went into that flower shop. Flower shop? Yeah, some small place called Steiner's Flowers on Temple Street. Uh, ben and I were driving along there this afternoon when I remember the one thing I'd overlooked was a white carnation for the groom. We stopped and went in. And came the switch. I'll say so. While I talked to the florist, Ben browsed around the shop. Then all at once, he grabbed me by the arm and said, let's get out of here. He was white as a sheet. We left in a hurry, and all the way up here to his place, he kept looking back like he was afraid of being followed. Well, what did he say about it? Oh, he wouldn't tell me a thing. When we got to his apartment, he gave me a real brush off. I went on home, and at seven tonight, I got a call from him. Give me that call word for word if you can, Casey. Well, he said, Tom, listen to me. There's a man named Gregory Toledo. I thought he was dead, but he's come back to life. I can't go on until he's dead again, this time for sure. Please don't interfere or say anything. You'll hear from me. Then he hung up. Gregory Toledo, huh? Was Ben at home then? No, no, I tried to call him back, got no answer. I thought it over for a while, then called you. You see, I'm not only his best man, I, I'm his best friend too. Oh. Uh, that's his place there. Okay, kid. I think you've done right so far, but brace yourself. For what? For something ugly. It says all the earmarks. You might wind up needing lilies, not white carnations. Let's go. The apartment was ground floor, rear, and dark. Inside, from walnut paneling to the sweet, nutty smell of good pipe tobacco, Dr. Ben Reynolds' place was neat, clean, and cozy until we got to the kitchen. There, the air was thick with a strong disinfectant. The doctor's kit was open on the sink. Beside it was a heap of blood-soaked gauze topped by a pair of forceps. And still clamped in the chromium jaws was what looked like a 38 slug. He must have performed this just before he left. Yeah, possibly on himself. This bottle of 100-proof bourbon here is the anesthetic he used. Hey, Marlo. Hmm? The cigarette case here. I've never seen that here before. Marlo, look. What? The name on this thing. Toledo. Yeah, as in Gregory Toledo. He was here, Marlo. Yeah, but now two plus two doesn't quite make four. Look. You say Ben told you on the phone that he couldn't go on until Gregory Toledo was dead. And yet, apparently... Apparently, Ben pulled a bullet out of that Toledo guy right here in this kitchen. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Let's check the other rooms again, huh? See if we can get a lead on where he went. Right. I'll look in the bedroom. All right. I'll start on the desk. See if his clothes are still there, will you? Everything seems okay in here. Good. Oh. Say, uh, Casey, did Ben like Armenian or Hungarian food a lot? No. Not that I know of. Why? Well, because his phone book is open to restaurants and every one of that kind is checked off. Even the gypsy tea rooms. Well, that's funny. He never went to those places. What's it mean? Nothing, maybe. Let's see, he got through them as far as uh, Sarkessian's Gypsy Cellar, 3rd Street. Ring any bells? Not a one. Mm. What are we going to do, Marlowe? You're going to go home and get some rest. Oh, we've got to find him. That's what you hired me for, isn't it? I'll call you when I've got something. Where are you going now? Steiner's Flower Shop. See what else he stocks beside white carnations. I'll call you, Casey. 
I unsnapped the front door lock, went out to my car, and drove down Temple Street almost to Alvarado. I still had a block to go when I saw the red spotlights on a pair of prowl cars parked up ahead. It was too close to be coincidence. The little store marked Steiner's Flowers was crawling with law. I pushed through the whispering circle of morbidly curious, keeping a respectful distance outside, and went up to the door. There, Detective Lieutenant Matthews spotted me and motioned me in. Hey, Marlowe. What brings you here? Business. Stop for a bachelor button. Uh-huh. Well, you're a bit late. The joint's closed. Proprietor's been murdered or so, I think. You think? Can't you tell? All right, let's put it this way. He's dead under suspicious circumstances. Ah, that's one way of putting it. You know there's not a mark on him? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Here, take a look. The back room. All right. There you are. That's him. One Harlan Steiner. There was a gun beside him on the floor, been fired once, very recently. What caliber, Matthews? Oh, 38. And no bullet holes in here, so he might have scored. Hey, why? Just curious. Uh-huh. Hey, wait a minute, what's this? Motive, maybe. List of currency denominations and amounts sent over from his bank and dated today adds up to $40,000. Hey, that guy had 40000 bucks cash delivered here? That's right. I didn't realize a small flower business could be that good even on a big day. Oh, at your age, it can't. And there's no sign of that cash around now. Well, maybe he was robbed, huh? Mm-hmm. By a handsome, well-dressed guy was seen running out of here earlier tonight, though. Mm. Steiner probably died of heart failure from the excitement, so that's that. But why did he have so much dough brought in here in the first place? And how did this get here in the back room? What? This. Oh, cigarette with lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matthews, even Flores a human, you know. So are cops. I've heard. Yeah. Now, give me a straight answer, Phil, huh? Of all the places in town, how come you show up here, this dumpy, out-of-the-way flower shop? I was driving by on my way home, saw your car, so I stopped. Easy as that. Could have done that well all by myself. (laughs) Mooney. Yeah? You can have it now. Tell him at the morgue I want a fast job. We've seen all we can here. All except that at the front door, Matthews. Get a load of it. Maybe she's your lipstick. Are you a friend of Steiner's, miss? Not exactly, sir. Sometimes buy flowers from him. I see. Were you in here early today? No. I haven't been here for several days. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. You'll find out soon enough, miss. Better move along now. Go on. Yeah. You're okay? No, she's too dark. Your lipstick's off a blonde. Yes, I know. Well, I guess I'll shove off, too. Take it easy, Lieutenant. Sure, boy. Hey, Phil. What? Look, uh... If you should happen to stumble over 40 grand on your way home, get in touch, will you? Don't I always? Good night, Matthews. I drove down Alvarado to 3rd Street and turned right. In a few minutes, I was parked in front of a gaudy doorway at the foot of a half a dozen steps dimly lit by a rusty hanging lantern under a sign. Said Sarkessian's Gypsy Cellar. Armenian dishes are specialty Alex Sarkessian proprietor. Inside, the place was a stone floor, imitation oak booths, all empty. The five feet high that Hustle taught me out of a dark corner was Sarkessian himself. The welcome smile dribbled off his face like spilled beer when I said all I wanted was some information. Why you come here for it, eh? What kind of information do you want? On some people, Mr. Sarkessian. Do you know a man named Gregory Toledo? No. Uh, well, how about uh, Reynolds, Ben Reynolds? No. Okay. Try... Uh, Never mind, that girl on the billboard there, who's she? Madame Vadena, just like it says, she's on the billboard. What's her real name? Ruby Vadena, she works here. (laughs) Works. If somebody wants to call looking at tea leaves in a cup, work. 
but the customer expects it. The customer is always right. So Ruby Vadina works here, but not tonight. All right, where can I find her? Why? Because I saw her a few minutes ago in a certain flower shop. Oh, that's a very good reason. Uh-huh. Now look, mister, I run a restaurant, not a Lonely Hearts. You, you should... look, Sarkessian, your little gypsy's in a murder right up to her big brass earrings. I gotta talk to her right now. A murder? I knew that fake. Oh, that no good, she ruins my business. What kind of appetite can murder give anybody, I ask you? I ask you for the last time, where does Ruby live? In Villa Garibaldi on the end of Reposa Street. Thanks. When you find her, tell Sarkassian says she's fired. She don't come in my place again, you hear? She's washed out. Reposa Street turned out to be a narrow, block-long tunnel under dark, matted cypress trees, at the end of which... Villa Garibaldi squatted like an ancient yellow toad, two stories high. I'd gone far enough for my headlights to pick up the clutter on the stairs when Ruby herself stepped out from the trees and headed for the front door. She had enough head start that she was upstairs and at the door before I caught her. Leave me alone. I haven't done anything, copper. Leave me be. I'm no cop, Ruby. Oh, no. Lisa and I saw you at the flower shop. You're not kidding anybody. Is this your door here? Maybe, but you can't get in there without a warrant, copper. So keep it out here and keep it short. What do you want? Who is Gregory Toledo? I don't know. All right, let's try an easier one. What was that florist holler and Steiner to you? If you're not a cop, what do you care? I'm a private detective, honey, and I care plenty. You know what happened to him, don't you? I think he's dead, if that's what you mean. Mm. He was just a friend, that's all. Oh, no, no. You're not the type for just friends, Doc. I... Hey, wait a minute, sugar. Somebody's in your room. Oh, no. The money. Open the door. Hurry up, will you? I'm trying well, to. come on. Come on. Get out of my way. Reynolds! Ben, stop! Stay back, you! For an instant, I'd seen Ben Reynolds, his face twisted in fear, a package wrapped in green oil paper clenched in one hand. Then he grabbed up the only lamp and smashed it at me. In the dark, I heard him run through the kitchen and out the back door. By the time I got outside, he was gone. I started for my car to follow him, but stopped again at the sudden sight of a gun barrel shoved out from the shadows between two trees and pointed straight at me. Don't move, fella. Not one inch or I'll kill you. You sound like you mean it. I do. You're not going any farther, fella. Don't try. And whoever you are, forget about the green package. You'll live longer. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Just tell me one thing, baby. Are you and the doctor a team? That all depends. Now go on. Back the way you came. I've got an appointment with the doc and I wouldn't want to keep him waiting. Start walking. In just a moment, the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first, with the outbreak of conflict in the Far East, Care Stockpile in South Korea has fallen into the hands of the invaders. But orders are being accepted so that the moment the conflict ceases... Care will be able to move in with badly needed food and clothing for the distressed men and women of Korea. By cooperating with Care today, you can help bring hope to Korea tomorrow. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe, and tonight's story, The White Carnation. The lady in the dark left for her appointment with the doctor. I knew that my next move should be a tight huddle with the good gray heads of homicide. But I also knew that first there was the matter of Ruby Vardena. I could tell by the way she was coming for me. 
The kind of enthusiasm you see only at feeding time with the zoo. Where is it? The money. Where did it go? How do Where? I know? You're the fortune teller. Now, what'll it be? Cards, teacup, crystal ball? Or should we just try some plain old-fashioned conversation, Ruby? Huh? How about what? Well, for one thing, 40,000 bucks that won't sit still. For another, your connection with Steiner's murder. The law is just itching to hear about that one. Not the police. I don't want to tangle with them again. I mean... Oh, could be embarrassing talking over the good old days, Ruby, is that it? What do you want to know? You and Steiner and the 40,000. What's the story? Steiner and I were supposed to go away together to be married. He loved me. Mm. You loved the 40 grand. Go on. The money came from the sale of his flower shop. He brought it over here tonight, said he'd be back. When he didn't show up, I, I went to find him. That's all I know. Not enough, Ruby. That shop wouldn't bring 40,000 bucks like you could pass for a school mom. Where'd he get the money? I, I haven't the slightest idea. But I do have a suggestion. Oh? If you can get your hands on the money, which is really mine now, I'll uh, split it with you. And we could even take a long, long trip, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no dice, baby. I wouldn't sleep nights worrying about my traveler's checks. So long, clairvoyant. When I left the piano shawl beauty with a dollar sign heart, I stopped at a mobile gas station, and while they filled my tank, I made a call back to the flower shop. Learned that Detective Lieutenant Matthews had gone down to the morgue. But 20 minutes later, when I was there, I was still a step behind, because Matthews had since gone on to headquarters. However, I was also a step ahead. They had just learned why Steiner had died. Connor, the attendant, was pleased as punch to tell me all about it. Hey, see, Marlo? Right here, the back of the neck. That slap of a hypodermic needle. Holds no bigger than a mosquito bite. Real hard to find. Mm-hmm. And it was an injection that killed him, Connor, huh? Some kind of poison? Uh, we'll have it tagged in a couple of hours. Want me to let you know what it is? No, no, never mind. I'll be in touch with Lieutenant Matthews anyway. By the way, Connor, mind if I use your phone? Why should I? They don't send me the bill. <laughs> Over on the wall there. Thanks. But, uh, Marlowe, huh? no long distance, huh? Oh, no, no. Downtown, Connor. Not another inch. That case, help yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, Marlowe, one night some news hawk got on the tube here and talked to his girl in Long Beach for 40 minutes. It was two weeks later we found out it was Long Beach, Long Island, not Long Beach, California. <laughs> yeah. I'm a son, Lieutenant Matthews. Marlo Matthews, I'm down at the morgue. Oh, what is it, Marlo? Steiner, or are you still just a wayfaring stranger? No, it's Steiner. Look, Matthews, I found out a couple of things that might help. I figured you would. Who is it, Marlo? Well, so far it could be a Dr. Reynolds, but there's more to it. There always is. Wait there, Phil. I'll be over. Okay, but one thing first, Matthews. Does the name... Gregory Toledo is in Ohio mean anything to you? Offhand, no. Why? Where does it fit in? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. When I started, Dr. Reynolds was out to kill Toledo again. It uh, seems he's come back to life. Come back to what? Sounded like you said... I did, I did, yeah. <clears throat> Well, we'll talk about it when you get here. So long, Matthews. Hey, uh, pardon me for butting in, Mr. Marlowe, but that's kind of funny, what you said, I mean. Why? It was the name you threw at Matthews, Toledo. You see, I... No, no, I couldn't count. Well, oh, wait a minute, I... wait a minute, Connor. Huh? What's funny about the name Toledo? Come on, it can count plenty. Oh, it's just a coincidence, that's all. That can be enough. Let's have it. Okay, Marlo. About six or seven years ago, we had a dead one in here named Toledo. Yeah? 
The front part I don't recall, but it wasn't that Gregory. Anyhow, the cop shot him full of holes for resisting arrest. What's the kind of funny part? Oh, not much, Marler. Only you just tied somebody named Toledo to this Steiner here who was killed with a hypo. And? And the Toledo bird I'm talking about was a dope peddler. Dope peddlers, Marlowe, are sometimes real handy with hypo needles. Nothing, huh? No. Not unless it fits tighter. Hey, look, Connie, you keep files here, don't you? Yeah. You could get me an address on the Toledo you're talking about, a first name next to Ken, so on, couldn't you? Sure I could. What's more, I'd be glad to, Marlowe. Why, if this meant something, it'd be... Yeah, well, let's get to the files, huh, yeah, Connor? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, this way. Morgan Tendon cracks keys. Gosh, be, uh, right over here. Here we are. Tobias, Tilaco, Toledo. Toledo. Yeah, yeah, Toledo. Here it is, Marlowe. Well, let me see that. Uh, Toledo, John Edward, August 18, 1943. Shot to death by police officer Celestia's in Hogan, Legend. Resisting arrest. Address, 31 Juniper Place, Ocean City, California. Next to Kent. Holy smoke, Gregory Toledo, a son. <laughs> Connie, you're a genius. Oh. Now, do one more thing for me, will you please? Yeah, sure. When Lieutenant Matthews gets here, tell him I'm sorry to stand him up, but that if I'm real lucky, he won't be mad at all. Yeah, but Marlo, this address at Ocean City, seven years old. I know, Connor. That's why I said real lucky. I'll see you. <laughs> the gentleman who answered the door at 31 Juniper Place was about 60. Or a spotted torn bathrobe that read like a menu and needed a shave, a haircut, and... Peeping through his torn slippers, I saw a blue jay corn plaster. However, his spirit was bright. Seems he, uh, liked having visitors. Yes, sir? You're the manager? Oh, I am indeed. Have been for 18 years. Albert A. Keyline. You looking for a room, sir? No, just some information, Mr. Keyline. My name's Marlowe. I'm a private detective, and a I... A private detective? Well, come right in, sir. My goodness, don't often get to chat with a man in your profession. No, I... I like... the opportunity. Uh... <laughs> I usually keep the living room closed, except on Sunday, but tonight I think we can forget that regulation. Yeah, well, look, I'm... <laughs> the uh, Morris chair there is the best one. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Mr. Keyline, did you know John Toledo? Toledo? I most certainly did. Mm. He stayed here for five years, I'm unhappy to inform you. He was killed on my front lawn there in 1943. It was good riddance to... Be oh. Oh, I see why you're here, Mr. Marlowe, but frankly, I expected the police, not a private detective. Well, why should you expect the police? Because not two hours ago, Emma Mallory, my neighbor, saw Greta Toledo over at the amusement pier. Greta Toledo? You mean Gregory Toledo, don't you? I don't think so. I would have said Gregory if I meant Gregory. Oh, I don't doubt that for a minute. Besides, that boy would know better than to come back to Ocean City. It's done him enough harm. I, I said Greta Toledo, John Toledo's daughter, Gregory's twin. Twin? Wait a minute, Mr. Keyline, this is important. Greta and Gregory Toledo are twins and the children of John Toledo? That's right, sir. All three lived here for five years, like I said, and a more different brother and sister you never heard of. Well, different like what? Like heaven above Careful. and... That other place below, that's <laughs> what. The boy was fine. The girl a terror. At 13, she was tormenting Alicast, and at 18, when she left here, she was a brazen hussy. Both went their separate ways from here a week after John was buried. You haven't seen him since? No, except one night about a month later when the boy, Gregory, came here to visit me and asked for all the pictures I had of him and his father and sister. I used to be an amateur photographer, you know. The I got a pictures, one time at a, pictures, uh, Mr. Uh, Keyline, why did he want them? And I guess he was kind of soft-hearted. I gave him the whole batch except one of Greta. And I only saved it because the lighting was so good. I've got it right here. 
I, I took it a couple of weeks before they got John. Look, look, see how the sunlight behind her head gives a soft feeling to the whole picture? Yeah, it's practically a halo. Yes, sir, very professional. Uh, I'll just take that now, Mr. Marlowe. I might try and improve it someday. Yeah, the best of luck, Keyline. Don't move your finger. Hmm? My finger? Well, why not? Uh, Mr. Marlowe, are you sure you feel all right? Frankly, no. But I hope to get better as I go along. Listen, Keyline, that neighbor of yours, that Emma, who said she saw Greta Toledo at the amusement pier, was it the big one off the foot of Surf Street? Oh, sure was. Emma saw her go behind one of the concessions and take a flight of stairs down to the beach. Which flight of stairs? There's a half a dozen of them, Keyline. Think, will you? I don't have to. I know, because Emma said it was the flight by the cotton candy concession. You know, that fuzzy stuff. And he's near the merry-go-round. I'm sure of that, because Emma mentioned the merry-go-round. She never leaves out any details, you know. Emma's a thorough... The steps that led down from the cotton candy concession took me to a fairyland graveyard under the amusement pier. Dead carousel animals, horses, sea serpents, dragons that smiled, all broken and bent and piled any side up. Some rusted brown, some of the bilious green discolor of old brass. Then a lot of steel and stone dwarfs who must have belonged to some long ago winter wonderland, also broken and rusted. But beyond that, the people were real, both of them. One was Greta Toledo. She was the same lady in the dark who had stopped me outside of the gypsy's place. The other was the man I had started out to find. The man who was out to re-kill Gregory Toledo. Dr. Ben Reynolds. Wait a minute, Gregory. What? One thing we still have to talk about. Or should I call you Dr. Reynolds? All right, get to the point, Greta. I am. That's why I asked you to meet me here. It's a safe place to talk. What did it talk about? You were shot and I gave you medical attention. You demanded that I get $40,000 that was yours and I did. You did, hero. But only to keep me from letting everyone know that the fine Doc Reynolds is really Gregory Toledo, the son of a dope peddler. All right, sister mine. What do you want? Just this. You're really on my hook, brother. I got a big news flash for you. I wasn't shot in self-defense tonight. It was while I was committing a murder in a flower shop from filth named Harlan Steiner. What? Yeah, a murder with a hypodermic needle. I murdered a man who was double-crossing me. Tried to take this $40,000 here. We got it from a sale of opium. He's trying to take this money and run with it in a gypsy lady oh, love. Listen, listen, how tight do you think you can squeeze me? There's an end to everything, even blackmail. Don't you see that? I'd be much worse off as a murder accomplice than exposed as a doctor with a very unsavory family background. Also, Greta, I've got a few moral compunctions. A doctor is supposed to save lives, not destroy them. Then see what you can do about yours, doctor. Don't try it, Greta. How's the aim, sister? She's dead. Yeah. And so is... Gregory Toledo, finally. We better get to the police, Dr. Reynolds. Well, Marlowe, you stepped out of turn all right, but you happened to step in the right direction. How? I still don't know. Yes, that picture Keyline showed you out in Ocean City, Mr. Marlowe. It was Greta, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Ooh, this coffee's hot. <laughs> Didn't mean a thing, though, Tom. I'd only seen Greta in the dark at the gypsies. Yeah, then how did it help? Uh, more coffee here, please. Huh? Coffee. 
Well, it helped, actually, when Keyline added his finger. That covered the girl's hair. And when I could only see the face... It looked like a man, and you saw not Greta, but her twin brother, Gregory. Wait That's a minute. Right. Were you new as Dr. Reynolds from a picture you'd seen earlier? Good work, Marlowe. No, no. Good luck, Matthews. There was Connor in the morgue, a gabby woman named Emma Mallory, Keyline's hobby as a photographer, and, oh, lots of little things. Uh, pardon me, Lieutenant. I, I don't quite know how to say this, but... What about the publicity, the newspapers, and what it'll it do to, uh... Well, Dr. Reynolds being Gregory Toledo. Dr. Reynolds being who? Hey, miss, I'd like that coffee tonight. <laughs> you know, I always did like you, Matthews. Good night, fellas. outside, it was pushing four o'clock in the morning. And I was tired of a long night that had been crowded with a lot of death and a lot of people. But I was also looking forward to a lot of life. Good life. For Dr. Ben Reynolds and his bride. So, thinking about them, I drove slowly through the quiet city streets until the black melting into gray in the corners of the sky said was almost tomorrow. And then I went home, found a telegram. It was from the groom. Tom Casey and the bride-to-be joined me in saying that there's no doubt as to who the best man really is. Please do us the honor tomorrow at five o'clock sharp. Oh, that's nice. Now all I need is one white carnation and, uh, I wonder where that gypsy girl is. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore are produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Paul Dubov, Virginia Gregg, Fritz Feld, Georgia Ellis, Tom Tully, Parley Bear, and John Daner. Detective Lieutenant Matthews is played by Larry Dobkin. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Be sure and be with us again next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time, a Skid Row suicide changed into murder. A cobbler with an accent was afraid to call the police. And a hard-boiled Hollywood agent broke into tears. All because one woman kept her whole life between the covers of a big leather book. There's a very charming, very amusing young couple to be found at CBS, the star's address, every Saturday evening. They're Liz and George Cooper, and Liz is played by the glamorous Hollywood comedian Lucille Ball. It's wonderfully hilarious. It's comedy at its best. My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball, every Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations. T-H-E-S-T-A-R-S-A-D-D-R-E-S-S-I-S-C-B-S 
Stars addresses CBS. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where you dance to the music of Vaughn Monroe, Saturday night's the Columbia Broadcasting System.